that was shit. I mean, I know we're all British, but our sense of timing was terrible. Maestro, again, please. better on the Empire Podcast this week. We're live with the London Podcast Festival at King's Place, London! Oh, my word. Hello, pod. I'm midlife crisis hairs Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast. Yes, this week we are live. Well, actually, we're pre-recorded, so we can say even worse stuff than we normally say on the regular podcast. And then Edit it out so we don't get sued for saying that <laughs> dogs, which he does three times a week and twice on Sundays. Uh, anyway, yes, we're live at the London Podcast Festival, which is a festival dedicated to podcasts. Keep up with me in this one. In London. Should have been sponsored by Ron Seal, which is a joke for those of us who grew up in the 1980s. But we're very excited to be here. I'm by... We, of course, I mean me and my three colleagues of such lethal cunning. But before we meet them, a quick note. Uh, this week, an enterprising listener amended the Empire Podcast drinking game into bingo form, which is incredible. And we printed it out. We loved it so much. That person's here tonight, right? Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much. Round of applause for the, uh, the bingo podcast person maker thingy. So we printed off these bingo sheets, we buried them up a little bit so you can actually play along as we go. Uh, and the winner, if you get a line, shout out line, first two people to get a line, win these incredibly fluffy Meg Sharks. Oh yes, you may ooh and you may ooh again. Damn straight, okay, so let's take a quick look. Uh, none of what's happened beforehand counts, although you do get a free bangly bang, okay? You can mark that off. Bangly bang. Okay, so let's see. James goes on a rant. Yes, that's going to happen. Marvel squee. That's certainly going to happen. Cap's beard. But Sharon Carter's not on this podcast. Uh, Terry drinks wine. Yes, that's going to happen. <laughs> Discussion will be edited out. I mean, we've already talked about how <laughs> dogs, so that's definitely going to happen. Uh, Helen makes a musical theater reference. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Four-star film, Molly's Game, Supernatural Reference, Someone Insults Someone Famous, like that cock Elton John. Uh, <laughs> something is recorded out of order. As your lawyer, something is recorded out of order. Someone calls James Bellend. I mean, that happens 25 times a day. I don't see why you should win something for that. Uh, Chris Benson's HQ. Hello, HQ is very cute. Um, if you listen to our spoiler special, do I say that? Do I say that a lot? Okay. Bangly bang, you've got that one. Guest swears. Ooh, we'll have to see if the guest will swear. Every day is Christmas Eve. Chris does an impression. Oh, fuck, I've already done one. Uh, three stars is a recommendation. Call me by your name. I mean, it does strike me I have a captive audience. Let's see. What else? Terry gets political. Yeah, that'll happen. James gets overly nerdy. Where's the handle? <laughs> That's going to be in there as well. Single-handedly ruined Peter Dinklage's career. Chris mentions his wife. 
and Helen runs marathons. Now let's see. Let's see if you can hear this. Call me by your name. Call me, call me, call me by your name. Oh yeah. No, you were meant to sing. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all good. It's all good. Anyway, good luck with the bingo. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, should we bring on our three colleagues to such lethal cunning? Yeah. Oh, yes. First up is our geek queen, uh, a lady who's just announced her very own supernatural-themed version of Hamilton. <laughs> the highlight, Sam and Ding singing, I am going to throw away my shirt. Please welcome Helen O'Hara! Uh, next up is a woman so wondrous that rumor has it she was the inspiration for Wonder Woman. A lady so fair, it said she was the inspiration for my fair lady. And uh, such a great dame that it said that she was the inspiration for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Will you please welcome my soon-to-be ex-boss, Terry White! Off by saying James is a bell end and just getting it out of the way, but I feel like I should say that to you after that. Oh, thank you so much. I feel like I've earned it. Speaking of which, James Dyer is also here, which is nice, I guess. <laughs> James Dyer, everybody! So we're going to start off movie news uh, with the very, very sad news that broke last night that the great Burt Reynolds passed away at the age of 82. And I think he was someone who very much was a big factor in all our childhoods. I don't remember Bank Holiday Mondays being complete without either a Bond movie or Burt Reynolds in Smokey and the Bandit or Smokey and the Bandit 2 or The Cannibal Run yes. or The Cannibal Run 2. Yes. That was not just Bank Holiday Weekends, actually. I had a bunch of friends in college, Hello to the Freaks, who just watched Cannibal Run movies, like, all of the time. Mm. So, uh, so, yeah, he, he, he was... Uh, he was a guy who seemed to be having a lot of fun in his career, which is sometimes absent for some stars. He didn't seem to take himself very seriously. He was a very funny guy when you read his interviews, and obviously Nick has a great one, which we've put back on the site now. He, he was hilarious um, in his own right, never mind when you put him in front of a camera and gave him a script. Um, and, and, you know, he was, I think, an underrated actor as well, as, as Boogie Nights showed, and I know he didn't approve of it, but I think probably most of us did. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it's... Uh, it, it still stands as, as part of his legacy, I think. Um, yeah. Whether he will or no, apologies to him. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to praise you anyway. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Oh, so, sickening. Yeah. Uh, Terry. I mean, I spent today reading Nick's piece, and it's funny because I'd only mm. been at Empire, I think, three or four weeks when Nick pitched this feature, which just seemed like an excuse for him to go in a massive jolly because he was like, do you know, Burt Reynolds is in Florida and he's like basically now running a Burt Reynolds school where he teaches people to act. Wouldn't it be great if we went and me and a photographer drove down to Florida and went and hung out with him? And I kind of, you know, I was just getting to know the team and I didn't want to just be a bitch straight off the bat and just say no straight away. <laughs> so I said yes in an uncharacteristic move. 
And I have to say, they came back with the most remarkable story because, you know, this was, what, 2015, so he was 79. And we knew he was in, uh, not necessarily in ill health, but, you know, age, he's late 70s, it was taking its toll, and he was walking with a cane. And Nick just came back with this remarkable piece. I remember the opening is about the things, because he went to his house, his mansion, and then they went to the theatre, which is actually where he started his career originally when he was in high school. And this just this beautiful textured piece about the detail of what it is like to be but Reynolds at that point in his life and it was astonishing and the photographs are some of the most compelling beautiful photographs of, of Burt Reynolds I think taken throughout his mm. entire career and just re- and we thought about whether we should put it back on the site this morning because you know Empire aren't the kind of people we don't jump on something in, in this kind of scenario but it felt like a really touching tribute because when you read it what Nick mm. captures beautifully is the kind of you know he was you know in older and he was kind of in a really different stage of his life part retired part teaching these people i think were paying like 40 dollars or something to come to this course and it was just a really touching lovely tribute to the man and, and showed actually the vitality and the verve that he still had there were these lovely little flashes of anecdotes which were really just kind of him showing that he was still that funny sharp yeah. um brilliant guy and if anybody didn't get a chance to read it today i would urge you to go and I'd also say the last couple of lines actually are also really moving in, mm. in context so it's definitely worth going back and reading that it's lovely I very much enjoyed his performance in In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale. <laughs> Is that it? That's all you have to say on Burt Reynolds? I think really that, that sums up my feelings about that sums it. Up. I feel like James gets overly nerdy. I feel like you can probably yeah. cross that off immediately. Like... We've barely begun. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think James has a vested interest in this bingo game. He clearly has his eye on one of the Meg Sharks. You don't get to win. Damn it. Them's the rules. What's that? Lie. Line, line already. <laughs> Who said that? I mean, you've interrupted a moving obituary, but <laughs> <laughs> who does that? It's fine. <laughs> the man is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe your feet before you walk in his coffin, for the love of God. I can't see a line. Who said that? Who said line? Show yourself. Show right, yourself. Okay, you don't want to show yourself. All right, now. here we go. All right, come up here. Come on. <laughs> come on up here, Reynolds hater. <laughs> Please stand up. Yeah, you, you did it. You fucking dug a hole for yourself now. Get up here. Come on, let's have a look. We've got to verify your bingo card. We've got to do it. That's it. Come, come, please, come. Please. Forward, forward. Please. That's it. Please. Make everyone in the row stand up. I mean, you fucking started this. You might as well finish it. <laughs> I was just about to cry for the love of God. I never met oh, the man, but I feel uh, like I knew him, Chris, you know? Chris. Chris, I've just been told upstairs don't have bingo sheets. Upstairs don't have bingo sheets? Upstairs don't have bingo sheets? You guys don't have bingo sheets? Some have bingo oh, some sheets. Plenty of bingo sheets. See, there's bingo sheets are plenty. Had any of you get a line? Sorry, <laughs> stop complaining then. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> okay, do you, uh, you know, do you know how bingo is played? Do you know how bingo is played? Down? Across. Across. Yeah, that's cross. That's fine. Okay, so James gets it overly nerdy. I'm Someone not sure insults. that, but that was the right amount of nerdy. <laughs> that was not, that was not overly nerdy. You can't Someone judge. Someone insults someone famous, call yeah. me by your name. Call me! No, um, Chris does an impression, and bang bang. Well done, you've got a line. Well done, sir, what's your name? Josh. Josh has got a line. And not in that cool, hip, media London way. There you go. And you win. 
it's frankly this what Bert would have wanted, isn't it? A giant fluffy shark. <laughs> Give it up for Josh, everybody. Josh is no respecter of Burt Reynolds, <laughs> but he's a damn good bingo player. Ah, <laughs> uh, anyway. So, Helen. Hi. Hi, hi. Uh, <laughs> how do you get back to that? Uh, but we should talk about... Haha, ha, segue. We should talk about the fact that uh, Burt Reynolds obviously was this... He was a fun leading man. He made uh, a lot of movies that I think might be seen as disposable. He made a film called The End. You ever seen The End? I saw it as a kid and loved it. It's hilarious. Him and Dom DeLuise, who was like one of his right-hand men. And it's a really dark comedy directed by Burt Reynolds about a man who feels that he thinks he's about to die. So he tries to commit suicide and it all goes horribly, horribly wrong. Each suicide attempt... It doesn't sound funny. <laughs> and it probably isn't funny, but to a young kid, it was hilarious. But, uh, but he was an amazing actor. I was re-watching Deliverance just the other oh, day, yeah. and he's so bloody good in that. Yeah. So good in that. He was a, they originally wanted Marlon Brando or something, right? And then they, uh, they, went for him, they settled for him instead because he looked quite like a young Marlon Brando, which he kind mm. of does if you go back and watch that film with that in mind. What? Yeah, he does a bit, a little bit. I'm going to Google this. Excuse me. <laughs> well, he didn't have the tash. He didn't, yeah. You know, he had the, the, the wetsuit the on face. Yeah, yeah. He had the face. He had the... Burt Reynolds was a good-looking guy. Oh, Whoa. my God. Oh, God. Oh. Terry is no respecter is it, of... Is it too soon? Oh, God, it's is too, it too soon. soon. Is like... it too soon to talk about dead Burt Reynolds' <laughs> penis? I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes. <laughs> I was just drawing out the similar... Oh, if you're looking matter. for a discussion that will be edited out... <laughs> I'd say that one's done. Yeah. Are there any immediate members of the Burt Reynolds family in tonight? <laughs> I'm really trying to do well by your uncle here, but uh, he was amazing. He was amazing in Deliverance. He was great in Boogie Nights. It's always surprised me that he reacted so negatively to Boogie Nights. Not the only one. Uh, Marky Mark doesn't uh, think too much of Boogie Nights, apparently. Although... <laughs> I will tell you this, I may edit it out, but we shall see. Uh, we have a thing at the back of the magazine, it's called Classic Scene, it's been there since day one, apart from a six month period when it was retired and then people stormed the gates of Empire Towers and it was put back in the magazine. And we've evolved it under Terry's stewardship to, uh, to, to allow celebrities and famous people and directors and writers and stuff to choose their classic scene. Mark Wahlberg is the only person who chose a scene that he was in. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. I don't think he did. <laughs> and he chose the scene in Boogie Nights where Alfred Molina is throwing the firecrackers. They go to visit Alfred Molina's drug dealer. You know that one? Amazing scene. But we couldn't run it, not because Mark Wahlberg had chosen the scene that he was in himself, but because Gareth Evans had beaten him to it, which truly means it is a classic scene. Anyway, diversion over. James, tell us more about Burt Reynolds, because I feel that like you're really emotionally invested in this. <laughs> No, but I will say that in Arnold Schwarzenegger's list of his ten favourite films, two of them he's in. In his list of top ten... <laughs> please edit this out. In his list... In his, when I, when I name drop, went to Arnold for oh a feature, God. and he gave me a box set of all his favourite films, uh, two of his own films were in there. Does anyone want to guess what they are? <laughs> no. It is... It is in, it's twins. Yeah, I, I double-checked with him, and he was absolutely certain that was one of them. Uh, I did query it, and uh, Terminator 2. And there was a load of other shit. There's Ben Hur. I think Titanic was in there as well. I mean, he's, he's, he's sorry, great. But... Sorry, second. Did you just say there's a load of old shit in there as well, and then followed up with Ben Hur and Titanic? <laughs> what? 
like they won in the Oscars. 11 Oscars each, James. 11. Yeah. So anyway, that's a fact. And I'm sure Bert would have approved of the selection. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's that for the Burt Reynolds of <laughs> sure, to be honest. I think we've um, done proud. Right, what's, what's, up, what's up next? There Oscars. has been other stuff. Oscars, Oscars, Oscars. They've walked it back, haven't they? They, yes, they have, have walked it back. Who um, saw that coming? They, they, they took a decision that they thought would be popular to solve a problem <laughs> that doesn't exist and realised that it was a terrible and unworkable scheme uh-huh. and uh, decided that it needed further study and maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> so, I, I mean, there's probably no lessons for any was, governments there, but I just yeah. thought it was an interesting... Was, Subtext on the bingo. I loved both. It seemed to fall apart at the point where anybody asked, "What's the criteria for popular?" Yeah, and it, basically that basic question of how will it be decided and who's eligible seems to be the moment it so, all fell so apart. So what you're saying is you should you should set out basic facts before basic facts. making these huge decisions. Determining and criteria. Right. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of, not to make myself David Dimbleby in this, but I think we should explain what this is. Uh, right. Just in case, you know, basic facts. So this is, yes, this is the, <laughs> yeah. um, the proposed outstanding achievement in popular films category that the, Oscar wanted, the Oscars wanted to introduce um, so that they wouldn't have to see Best Picture going to something that people actually watched. Um, <laughs> like Ben-Hur or Titanic. Like Ben-Hur or Titanic <laughs> or, or, you know. Or In um, the Name of the King. Or all, uh, Dungeon Sea no, style. That's not, no, that's it's got not. It's got Jason Statham in it. It's great. Sorry. I mean, that's going to make no sense once you've edited out the bit. So. <laughs> it's fine. Um, no, it's, so they, they, you know, the, the proposal was, well, this will allow films like Black Panther to receive an Oscar. And it's like, I mean, the rest of the categories would also allow for that. Mm. You just have to vote for it. So they, they've realised that actually introducing it halfway through the eligibility year is, number one, a bad idea, that not knowing what the heck they're doing is, number two, also a bad idea, and that they, this needs... And also that nobody liked it. None of the people who they thought they were pleasing with this were pleased. That's right. I thought 52% of the Academy were quite in favour. <laughs> <laughs> Initially. No, no, no. The no? polls, if you look at the opinion polls since, Chris... It's the will it's of the statue. Like, it's like 60 people... Percent against. Oh, Oscars is it? mean okay. Oscars. Yeah. It's definitely the Oscars we're talking about, yeah. Hollywood going nuts, people stockpiling Oscars in case there's a shortage in March. <laughs> but uh, what do we think of this, by the way? I, I always like to do this in a podcast. I like to ask people their opinions and get them to uh, raise their hands. Did we think this was a good idea? Someone went, ha! Now, <laughs> were you saying, ha! Or were you saying, hand, as in, I can't be bothered raising my hand. I would just shout hand instead and hope that works. I thought it was crap, actually. Crap? No, it was hat. It was hat. It was definitely hat. Yeah, it was hat. Okay, so two people. Well done. So it's definitely a, a bad idea, and I'm glad that they walked it back. Yeah, but, and so, but what is going to happen? Because now, presumably, they're resting it or pausing it or putting it away for further study, mm. presumably to never reappear ever mm. again. Hopefully. What is, what is going to happen to the likes of Black Panther when it comes to the noms? Hopefully and, they'll get a nomination. But I don't know if they will, and then they'll have another backlash. And I think everybody, last year with Get Out, everybody took that as some kind of sea change that they were going to change, especially how they treated genre movies. Mm. But I think the very fact that they put this in means that they won't. I think they've learned nothing, and they have no sense of really where the public opinion is on this. Well, there was another story this week that might be a, a way forward. The, I think it was the Biffers are sending out anti-unconscious bias training packs for their voters to sort of stop them treating, for example, films with female leads as less important because that has historically been the case that people have Mm -hmm. said that 
But also to uh, think about, you know, the fact that just because something is an indie movie doesn't actually in inherently, on no. its own, make it more dramatically weighty than something that has a an explosion as well. And so maybe the, the fact is that the, the Oscars should try to re-educate their voters well, a little Hang bit. on, what's in this fucking pack? Like, do you know, <laughs> I know. Like, can you imagine? Like, Magic. I'm an old white man and they're going to send me some kind of pack that's going to reprogram my brain to make me, like, less of a bellend. I'm not sure. I don't know. No offence, no offence. <laughs> Line, we got a second line. <laughs> I think yes! it, I think it does. I mean, when I didn't say anything about working class culture, it. but there's like an hour and a half to go All yet, right. so. If this happens, if this happens, this is the second time. Oh, here we go. If this happens, this is the second time that we have a winner already, so you have to stop playing bingo. I'm so, so sorry. Unless one of you gets house. Yes, you have to come up here. You've, we've established a format. What, are, what do we do You're if they the get house? You're in the second row, for the love I of mean, God. <laughs> We, 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 if they go full house, we have some Jenga. We, sh we, should, have, we should have saved the show. You get a full house, James yeah. comes to live with you for a month. Worst <laughs> <laughs> <He laughs> Wing Marathon, James does insist on one of you being in the nude. <laughs> He's totally okay with who it is. Right, let's see, what have you done? What's your name, what's your name? What's your name? Phil. Phil. Okay. Yep, Bangley Bang. Someone assaults someone famous. And when was that, when did that happen? Uh, that was uh, you. The whole Burt Reynolds obituary thing. Well, there's that. Elton John, you know. Elton John. But that, was, that was a gimme. That was a freebie. But okay, I'll let uh, You didn't say it wasn't. Yeah. Chris does an impression. True. And Terry gets political. Correct. Phil wins, uh, gets another line. Well done. Phil gets a box with the shark. All right, now fuck off. <laughs> right, so, uh, well done, Phil. Well done, everybody. And we can actually get on with the proper show now, which is good. Uh, right, so, Terry, tell me more about politics. <laughs> Do you want to talk about Ken Loach? No. No. <laughs> no. We'll be here all day. Are you drinking wine, by the way, or what no, are you drinking? No, I've got, I've just realised I've got none. Oh, uh, okay. I know. Has anybody, um, has anybody got any wine? They want to share. <laughs> I say share, I mean give me. Can we get wine from this wine, please? Wine I'm gonna, from this I'm going to get some um, when we break. Yeah, when we oh, yeah, absolutely. When we, you know. When you... Yeah. Mm -mm, off the... Um, is that a sex thing? I don't know. Okay. Uh, Terry, what have you brought for us movie news-wise? What, what's excited you this week? What are you doing? <laughs> are these, are these Do you know how podcasts work? Trying to call a dog. It's been a while. <laughs> that Does needs to be on the bingo, bingo by Please don't solicit <laughs> the audience. <laughs> It just says Terry loses her goddamn mind. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel. Hey! Helen, Helen. Helen, show them the shoes. It's time. Loving the shoes. James, show them the underpants. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, everybody presumably saw the pictures um, revealed this week in our deadly enemy EW. Yeah, those um, guys. I, like, I prefer to call them ew. Ew. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, once I got over that painful uh, shock, um, <laughs> it was quite exciting. Um, so, uh, we saw loads of new pictures, got loads of new details. Some of it's still a little vague, for example, some questions over who Jude Law actually is. Obviously, we know he's commander of Star Force, but I think there are now questions marks 
the speculation was he was he was Marvell, which is looking, I think, less and less likely. We know Ben Mendelssohn is Talos and Samuel L. Jackson, those amazing de-aging. Like when I heard about the de-aging, you know, you're like, Shut. I mean, that's just going to look ridiculous. But we were looking at them in the office, and it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Like really, really amazing, yeah. really exciting, really excited by Lashana Lynch, who plays her kind of best friend and fellow pilot. It's really exciting to me that what seems to be coming out is that their relationship is a really cool part of this film. Two women, friendships, they have agency, not a sexual relationship, as far as we know. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. I, I, you're listening now, I, aren't I you? You were like, bored, bored. Did you say sexual like, relationship? Yeah. Um, she's British. She was in, we were talking about her in the office, right? Yeah. She was in um, Noel Clarke's film. She's done smaller British films. She's got this massive role in a Marvel movie. She did a ABC, I think it was, or one of the big US cable shows. Um, massive opportunity for her. Really excited by what she's going to do. And, you know, this is the first, it's, it's obviously co-directed by Ryan Fleck and Anna Bowden. It's actually the first female filmmaker within mm-hmm. the Marvel universe, yeah. as we know, which is really really exciting I think to see that why are you taking a picture of me because I just realised I never document these things document me um, so, I don't know why I said it in that weird voice <laughs> <laughs> document me like one of your me. French girls <laughs> <laughs> Terry is a bit like Joey and friends and she can make anything sound rude <laughs> say the word dripping cock you, you make <laughs> You make that sound so wrong. We had a weird conversation. Yeah. So we had a weird no. conversation. <laughs> we had a weird conversation in the office today, which is if if I were a man. Oh my God! Why are you about to share this? <laughs> we have I? spoken about the inside voice, voice and the outside <laughs> voice. Who wants to hear this story? Oh God. Yes. Is anyone from HR in the building? By the way, the, like the not head, even of our company. The head of, the head of HR at work started following me last night on Twitter, which really freaked me out. Um, she can't see <laughs> oh, out of this, right? Um, so basically, we were talking about um, penises in the office. It comes up quite a lot, and um, the subject, the subject <laughs> comes up quite a lot. Uh, we were talking. I was saying, if I was a, if I were a man, I wonder kind of what kind of uh, endowments I would be looking at. And I, I think we kind of got to the point where it would be below average, and I'd have a massive complex about it and be, re- and be really angry and mean and a total bitch yeah. because of my kind of small penis, um, <laughs> which bears no relation to Captain Marvel. So as I was saying, this, um, <laughs> very exciting pictures, very exciting details. And there's still loads and loads of. <laughs> Stop laughing, I'm saying something serious now. Um, Kevin Feige may be listening to this. <laughs> yeah. you, may, you may have given the poor guy a heart attack. <laughs> I, think there's, uh, I think there's loads of question marks still, and, I'm re- and you know they've become really great. Marvel are absolute supreme at keeping enough details back and keep drip-feeding you to get you excited, I think, the way they did it, um, especially with Avengers 4 was... Um, Sorry, Avengers 4. Yeah, they've been really good with that. Um, <laughs> Infinity War, I thought, was exceptional. I think this is a similar thing, and I'm really excited to see what we discover next. And there will be a very exciting Empire cover feature coming um, in a few months. What? So, and what did you the think? last thing I would have expected. Yeah, I know, right? Hold on to your knickers. There's a superhero movie <laughs> coming up on the cover of Empire. Please let there be the cover line. Hold on to your knickers. <laughs> it's Captain Marvel. What would she be like if she had a penis? That should be... 
It'd as be massive. your lawyer, uh, no, no, let's not. Let's not. Were you excited, Helen? As our, um, so massive. freaking excited for this film, I can't even tell you. But I'm going to. I'm really excited. Um, no, I, I like. I, I literally have the shoes already, and. Um, a, lot, a few other bits and pieces. I think, I mean, it's way past time. <laughs> not the pants, I've only got Wonder Woman pants, but that's not a joke, that's actually true. Uh, the point is, I'm uh, very excited for this film, it is way past time for Marvel to have a solo female lead. As you know, if, I li- if you listen to the spoiler podcast, um, I was uh, not <laughs> impressed by the Wasp as a female lead, because I didn't think they earned that title. You have agrees. one yes. supporter. Come on! Is Two it Hel- supporters, it's Helen's I saw sister, her. Isn't it? This it is wasn't. Her. My sister's up there somewhere. Hello. Um, but, uh, but I think that this will actually earn it. I think she looks brilliant in the role. I trust Brie Larson mm. to do something cool with it. And I, th- I can't wait. Also, is it Avengers 4 time yet? No. How about now? Yeah. Uh, now? No. They probably forgot to make it. <laughs> <laughs> And they're going, shit, we need to make it now, guys. So quickly, put Captain Marvel out and distract him while we quickly make this film. <laughs> I'm hugely excited about Captain Marvel. Are we excited? Show of hands or just shout the word, ha, if, you, uh, if you're excited about Captain Marvel. <laughs> I think that's easy. Walked into that one, didn't I? Uh, Jimbo. Hello. What do you think about Captain Marvel? Very excited. I yeah. really wanted to go on set as it happens. <laughs> yeah. Didn't fucking happen, though. No. no. I wanted to go on set, it didn't happen for me either. Yeah. No. I wanted to go on set and it didn't happen for me either. This is Who? Spartacus. Who, I wonder? <laughs> Who yeah. Yeah. possibly could have pulled yeah. rank? I said rank. Mm. <laughs> and gone on set and went and said, gone, went, anyway, visited the set of Captain Marvel. Who could it have been? Terry White. You can't even say because I imagine whoever went and said a Captain Marvel signs are pretty scary NDAs. So just blink three times if you went and said a Captain Marvel. <laughs> we talked about what blinking is. Do you know what blinking is? Oh, God! <laughs> okay, all right. She's uh, Disney's lawyers will see her I blink. Know. Yeah. I mean, she would be news, if she'd please. been on set, which we, we don't know. But she, yeah, she wasn't. Hang on, anyway. did you just say, can we have some nerdy yes. news? Yes, uh, this is not nerdy enough. I want Go nerdy news. So, okay, so the most exciting news for me, uh, Rebecca Ferguson has joined the cast of Dune. Then you've got Dune. And this is, I'm so excited. I want to go on fucking set of Dune. This is incredibly, <laughs> right here, right now, I'm telling you, I want to go on set of Dune. Look, it's like Teddy's he's busy busy that day. <laughs> it is. Pitch this session. is my features pitch for this. So, uh, so uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who hasn't actually been cast, but she may be playing uh, the Lady Jessica of House Atreides, the Bene Gesserit witch, uh, who, and here's an interesting fact about the Bene Gesserit that you may or may not know. Um, <laughs> They have visions from drinking the water of life, which is a form of mucus, which comes when they drown a sandworm, or Shai Hulud, the old man <laughs> of the desert, in water. I mean, so anyway, she's going to be in the film. And uh, Timothy Chalamet, who is playing, uh, will also be in the film, he's playing Paul Atreides, the Kwisatz Haderach, or Mwadib, to use his Fremen name, or as Such Tabba <laughs> call him, Usul, that is the strength as the base of the pillar. Um, James is available, by the way. <laughs> Anyway, has anyone, seen David, has anyone here seen David Lynch's Dune? Okay, it's absolute shit. Don't watch it. Uh, it's nothing like the books, which are amazing. Uh, this sci-fi uh, series, the short story, there's one, there's Dune and there's Children of Dune. They're both, they haven't aged wonderfully, but uh, they're much closer to the book and they're really good. So I suggest you read the book and then watch those and then prepare yourself for what will be an amazing film, Hopefully. which I will write about in a future issue of Empire, having been on set. <laughs> 
What have they done to deserve you writing about Dune? I haven't even started talking about The Witcher yet. Oh, You've actually no. got a light Terry, look, look. Yes, Witcher fans. All right, okay, uh, go on. Talk Henry, about Cavill. Henry Cavill is going to be Geralt of Rivia, the White Wolf. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Because I what did you the. Uh, him? No, I did the um, the Alexa thing this week, and because, Geralt of Rivia. Well, I didn't know how to. I just hedged my bets and pronounced it a different way each uh, time I mentioned yeah. his name. Very wise. Uh, no, he's good. He's a great character. He's uh, he's well odd. See, no, well, the, the dog from EastEnders. Understand? No, it's, it's it's a Witcher joke. Oh. Because he does magic, and one of the spells is called Odd. So it's actually it's actually really funny. I I always find that the funniest jokes are the ones you have to explain <laughs> to most of the people yeah, in the room, yeah. including some of the ones who've read the book. Yeah, That's yeah. Definitely... So they're based on. If anyone doesn't know, they're fancy. They're Polish fancy books from Andrzej Sapkowski, uh, and they're made into a series of popular video games. Is, mm. is he the one where most of his books are about insects? Insects or incest? Insects. No, no, you're thinking of Adrian Tchaikovsky. Thank you. Uh, no, this is uh, Andres Sapkowski. They're, they're, I mean, the books, the, <laughs> there may be insects and indeed insect incest in them. I couldn't really say I've not read them all. But they're good. it's going to be weird, though, because Cavill is, uh, is a massive games geek. Like, he, yeah. And he loves The Witcher games, so he's really excited to do it. Uh, but it's really hard for anyone who plays games to imagine anyone except uh, it's Doug Cockle, the guy who does the, the voice in the games, except he's like a sort of short, bald man. Nothing wrong with bald men, obviously. Uh, but he doesn't really look like Geralt. He's got the voice for it, but he doesn't really have the physique. Okay. But Cavill... Cavill. Cavill. Cavill has the physique, yeah. but, uh, yeah. How are we feeling about Cavill's acting skills at the moment? Yeah. Ooh! Loving him. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm really... really I, I think this is good. I'm, I, I'm quite up on him at the moment after Mission mm. Impossible. Oh, yeah. It was great but, in that. But yeah. wasn't Mission... Like, I loved the... His character was kind of sucked dry of acting <laughs> and then his physicality put on screen. Do you know what I mean? I don't but, know, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all... It, it was the moustache driving the Cavill performance. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a little alien attached itself to his lip and then just controlled him. No, I like... It's I like. A, it's a venom. It's like... Yes, it is. We are going to act Henry. Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely, yes. Right. Um, no, I think he's very good. He does the accent, the American accent. That's good. And then he punches the people when the director tells him to. That's also good. And he's good we at being the arms. evil stuff. No, I he think does. they're very harsh on Henry Cavill. He's very, very good. I like Henry Cavill, and that's that. <laughs> By the way... Hot, hot wow. fact. Hot is, fact. No. He loves the game Pillars of Eternity. That's not and, that hot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's a fact. <laughs> I'm barely that. If... <laughs> By the way, is insect incest sex with an ant? Oh, Thank you. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's a slow burn. No, no, it's a no. slow burn, but it gets no. there in the end. Don't apologize. Just like that. sex with an ant? No, anyway. Um, should we talk about Bond? Why am I saying this? <laughs> what has happened to this podcast? Helen, tell us about Bond. Oh, they find some more directors. Ooh. <laughs> um, Are you one of them, by any chance? I would love to see <laughs> Helena Harris Bond. The, the gunshot at the beginning kills him, and that's it. <laughs> da -da 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 Eon, call me. Hi. Um, no, apparently the shortlist at the moment is Jan Demange, S.J. Clarkson, and Bart Layton, who, of course, yes. is in cinemas at the moment with uh, American Animals. 
So three good directors. Clarkson's attached the next Star Trek film, but like a would limpet. have thought that those would be going around the same time, but presumably yeah. not because Star Trek seems to have run into some hurdles. Yeah. Same way Bond has. Hey. She may well be free. Hell's Bells. Hi. We saw Chris Pine just the other day. We did. We could have... We could like, have asked him. Oh, we could he would have, have told us. We could have intervened. Two strangers in the street. Yes. Why would he have told us what was going on? Hey, Chris Pine, take Paramount's offer, you shit. That's what we, that's that's what what we, we should have said. said. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just do it. I do. I realise that now. Have you heard that uh, Chris Pine's new film, Outlaw King, has a 15-second full frontal shot of Chris Pine and his little Johnson. But apparently, it ain't that little. <laughs> Think you know what I'm saying. I certainly hadn't paid any attention to those reports, <laughs> and I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. But someone did say that this ends the War of the Chrises, or at least... <laughs> at least... Oh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Oh, yes, it does. At the very least, introduces a new element of the arms race of the Chris's, <laughs> let's say. So. I think it's more an element of the baby's arms race. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think Hemsworth, that guy's packing heat. Apparently, they had to de-size his penis for that scene in Vacation. Uh, <laughs> I'd forgotten that. George encouraged him. And... Um, <laughs> And, uh, and then there's the other two, isn't there? So, yeah, yeah they're probably... <laughs> so, Bart Layton to direct Bond, you say? I mean, potentially. You're a big fan of American Animals, aren't you? I think American Animals is one of my films of the year thus far, although I have not yet seen Outlaw King <laughs> and its massive winky, <laughs> which is arms, apparently. It's like John Carpenter's the thing. Just sprouts arms and a face. Ah! Um, so, yes, it's an accurate retelling of the tale of Robert DeBruce. Yeah. That's good news. I'm very excited about yeah. that. So uh, we'll wait and see which of these three people might be directing Bond. But all three of them are sort of that malleable rising director that you would think that Eon would want so that their second unit people can do what they do yes. and the uh, director can tell the actors where to stand and what to say. Well, I think, I mean, they're all good directors in terms of they all have an eye for an image. They all obviously work well with actors. So, but essentially, yes, what you just said. I just don't want to make it sound like we don't think they can direct. Cause we oh, do. they can. We very much do. They can direct um, the hell out of shit. But you're right. They're not, like, already marquee names. And as we've talked about before, we don't think that's what Ian wants right now. They want mm. somebody who'll just essentially, you know, be a little bit more compliant. Mm. Well, uh, so much of the likes Bonds is driven by producers, right, by the very nature of it, and same with, you know, Marvel and a lot of the big franchises and, and universities, especially when there's a shit ton of money attached. That seems to come from the studio, and I think it is interesting, though, because even though they are at a certain point in their career, I think somebody like Bert Layton's really interesting because he has such a specific style, and I don't want to jump to the reviews bit, but we'll be talking in more detail about American Animals later, but I, I'm struggling to see how he would fit into Bond because I think he has such a distinct visual style, which he may still be developing, but I'm, I've struggled to see Bond in his kind of eyes, and I think they would have to at least give him free reign to make a, mm. a film in his image. Um, and So that, for me, is the interesting thing when you choose a filmmaker who is quite singular in that respect. 
Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the Die Hard movie has a name. That it does. Sense. It is called McLean. Sorry, what's it called? McLean. <laughs> Mr. Takagi. No, uh, it's, we've been sitting on this for a while. We've known this for ages. And we were waiting to put it in the issue of the magazine alongside the best thing in the magazine, which was my excellent Die Hard feature. Um, but uh, we were... Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we were sitting on this because uh, Nick, um, Nick spoke to the producer and he told us that this would be called yes. McLean. And we wanted <laughs> to print it. And Nick was really anxious about me putting it on the website. We're, uh, we're such news hounds. Yeah, we yeah. really are. <laughs> we basically well, just... can smell us yeah. a mile away and sit on it for a month. Um, uh, but no, no, it's, it's interesting. Like, it's Len Wiseman's obviously doing this, and apparently it's going to be sort of an even-ish split between uh, 60-something McLean, uh, Bruce Willis, and uh, young 20-something McLean, uh, played by someone else who is presumably younger. Um, so I... I, <laughs> I mean, OK, I guess it doesn't follow anymore, given Samuel L. Jackson, but... Well, yeah, it could be. I mean, it's presumably Joseph Gordon-Levitt with prosthetics on his face. I mean, I'm assuming... Uh, I have very, very mixed feelings about this film coming into existence, but I will give Len the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, because you could argue that the John McClane, McClane origin story is die hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And otherwise it's just a cop pushing pencils around his desk, isn't and, he? And, and you, yeah. you could argue, and you know, I'm not sure we would, but one could argue that prequels are inherently a bit shit and we should stop. I mean, I'm just saying it's a possibility. It's the kind of thing that people might say. Not, yeah. not us, not no. me, but... What? You know. OK. Um, uh, controversy. Uh, <laughs> quickly, get it back on track. Get it back on track, Chris. You can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Uh, isn't Captain Marvel a prequel, technically? No. Anyway, let's no. move on. No! Let's move on. It's just it's a story that happened before the other stories. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's totally fine. Is it hot in here or is it just me? It feels like they turned the heating up a little bit. Um, right, we have to get our guest on, but I completely forgot that the new issue of Empire is out this week. And, um, we should be, have one? We don't have one. Does anyone have a new issue of Empire on the Bunny Chance if it's on sale yesterday? Have you? Yeah. Oh, drink, drink cake. Great. Bring it forth immediately. Well, we remember what's in it, don't we? Do we? Well, there's, a, there's a Die Hard oh, feature the, in oh, it. Oh, there's one in the third row here. Oh, here, here, here. Thank you, sir. Uh, subs cover. Yeah. Very well done. Subs cover. Very well okay. done. I mean, it's an audio medium anyway, so I don't That's think That's as far and as fast as I've run in fucking weeks. Uh, <laughs> right. So we have... This is very, very quick. Uh, this is the subs cover. You will be getting this back, by the way. Uh, this subs cover. On the cover is a superhero... What? No. <laughs> is a Star War. No. What is this? <laughs> this is neither a superhero movie nor a Star War. Terry White, explain yourself. What is this? It's Bad Times at the El Royale! Episode four, Bad Times. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a film we're dead excited about. We thought we'd try something a bit different. Um, no Star Wars, no superhero movie, no comic book adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, it, in fairness, Chris Hemsworth is in it. So. He is. Yeah. <laughs> Thor is in it. But, so, uh, Drew Goddard's film, dead, dead exciting, amazing ensemble cast. We thought we'd give it a crack. What do you guys think? Do you like it? Yeah? <laughs> 
actually... 14 he, people. He we'll find out that. if you're lying when we get the figures. You do know that. Yeah, and if, if anybody else... We do sometimes get... Oh, another superhero movie. If people don't buy this magazine, I'm literally coming around your houses because I'm like, <laughs> you asked for it, you better buy it. She's um, not kidding. And I have to say, James is right. The best thing in the issue, I have to say, by Chris Thank Ray. you very much, Terry. It is my midnight run interview <laughs> with George Gallo, the writer. The second best Terry. thing in the issue, by Chris Ray. It's my Ben Wheatley interview. Thank you very the much, third, Terry. The third best thing in the... Is the, the best thing milk, is yeah. um, J- James Dyer's Die Hard epic feature. It's incredible. Can, can, I, can I just stop you there, Terry? Because while it is obviously good <laughs> as these things go, the best thing in the issue is this headline. To mark Breaking Bad's 10th anniversary, yeah. The Shape of Walter, everybody. <laughs> and that headline comes from Nick Dissemblian. Uh, so, you know it's good if I didn't come up with it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is a fantastic issue. Really, really great issue. And also, the, the, the diehard thing's amazing. But we're not giving enough props, are we, to the Chris Hemsworth nipple count thing, are we? Oh, really? Amazing. So, for the bad times at El Royale thing, there's a sidebar where uh, we <laughs> count the number of times Chris Hemsworth takes his shirts off in, in movies and how long he gets his nips out. And... That was a hard one to do, we let me tell you. We spent literally days freeze-framing this. This is, not, I mean, this, was, this was a very difficult task. Well, yeah. the original idea was I was going to do, because I, um, I did the story and we were going to do a super serious thing on the amazing production design, and then somebody in the office, who was it? I can't remember, said, wouldn't it be funny if we just did how many times Chris Emberworth takes his shirt off, which seemed like an amazing idea, but then poor Nick was sat on the Metropolitan yeah. line having to freeze-frame and grab um, a topless Chris Hemsworth. He was complaining about it. It, but I'm not I, sure it's that hard. I still don't understand why you didn't call it for Ragnarok. <laughs> Did you Same. suggest that at the time? He does this all the time, right? He sits in the office, <laughs> sits in the office, doesn't fucking say a thing, and then the magazine, the magazine comes out and he's like, well, I think you'll find... Um, he just sits there carving his little wooden dolls. <laughs> Anyway, that is it. It's on sale now on all good and evil news agents, you and it is that. an absolute belter. So um, that's it for the news section. Okay. That is it for the news section, everybody. Woo. Well done. We got through it. Who's this? All right. Time now for this week's guest. He's been on the show before, but despite that, we thought we'd have him back again. Uh, he is a horror nut who has parlayed his love of the genre into a career as one of the fastest rising directors around. His first film, The Hallow, made living in Ireland look terrifying. And let me tell you, there's more to life than this. Um, doesn't make any sense. I'm going with it anyway. His latest is out this week and is none more black. Please welcome the director of The Nun, Corin Hardy! Okay, I feel you're judging me in some way, but that's that's fine. 
I feel you're judging me, and I feel the nun is judging all you guys. She's, she's judging for sure. She yes. is judging. So this is the, uh, hang on, let me just get a picture of that as well. There we go. <laughs> Never I've document to be these protected, things. you know. I've, I've... <laughs> is this now holy water? Yeah, yeah. Okay. it is now. This is good. Yeah. Oh man! So uh, welcome, welcome aboard the show. How are you? You Thank must be you. Uh, you must be fairly jet lagged. You I'm flew really in last in. night, didn't you? I flew in. I think yesterday. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really uh, am a little upside down. I flew in and, and landed and literally then went straight back to the cemetery last night in Brompton for a midnight screening. And <laughs> so I'm just like a little upside down. You were just going to the cemetery anyway and luckily there was a midnight yeah. screening. Yeah. I went for a stroll and they, had a, they were putting it on. No, it was, uh, <laughs> it was freezing cold. Yeah? Yeah. I, but... I, uh, sitting in, uh, it, was, it was great. I came from like, I've just done a press tour of Mexico and then Los Angeles and obviously wanted to be back for for England for this, and then realised how, how fucking cold it was. <laughs> oh, did I yeah. just swear? Is you that... can swear. You've just sat through an hour of this. We have said unspeakable things. It's, it says here, the guest swears. Guest swears, guest swears! Sorry. Anyone got a line? <laughs> I mean, a bingo thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, precisely, precisely. Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for coming back, even when you're jet-lagged. And this is, if anyone's been following Karen on Instagram, uh, this is the nun doll that has been traveling the world with you recently. I was sent this um, literally the day before I went to Comic-Con, which I'd never been to before. It's made by Living Dead Dolls. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, they sent me a few, and I just thought, well, I've never been to Comic-Con before, and I, I'll take her as a little companion. And she seemed to catch on. I put her on the seat opposite me on the train, and the, the people would be walking by. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then everyone was like, oh, can we get pictures taken? So she became my sort of date, and she <laughs> gradually just possessed me, and now she talks through me. <laughs> I'm no longer here. I'm just a vessel. I want to speak to Corin. I would like to speak to Corin, please. Corin's not here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Andy, Shut the, up, Chris. <laughs> I think a lot of people are thinking that. Uh, the, uh, the crucifix. Can you talk about the crucifix? This Where did that come from? A, this is a crucifix I actually brought back from Mexico City. Um, very, very much close to all the crucifixes we made for the movie, which was somewhere between hundreds and thousands. And, I, and uh, they, in Mexico, they built, uh, we, we did all the press in a 400-year-old convent and screened the movie there. And they put on this whole kind of scare experience in the catacombs as well. So wow. I just smuggled it back in my um, <laughs> bag. And it's not, in fact, evil. Or <laughs> it's not imbued with an ancient spirit. <laughs> oh, God. There we go. It is there now. We go. <laughs> so for people who don't necessarily know, The Nun is out now. It opened yesterday, so it's out now yeah. in, in cinemas. And it is the latest episode in The Conjuring what do you call it? Do you call it the Conjuring Universe, the Conjuring Cinematic it's the Universe? It's the Conjuring Universe, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to have um, cinematic universes now. I don't remember them when I was younger. They were just <laughs> movies. But um, I guess it's like when movies are jigsaws and they fit together and they tell more extending stories. Yeah. But wouldn't you have liked that when you were younger? Wouldn't you have liked yeah, yeah. Friday the 13th that somehow exactly. paved the way for Halloween? And yeah. Well, now, we're, now, now everything's sort of like screwing with the timelines, isn't it? Because we used to just have sequels that were sort of remakes. And now, yeah, I mean, what they're doing with Halloween and, you know, sort of dumping the other movies and just yeah. telling a new part of it. So. Yeah, well, they just nicks like eight films and just go no we're just going to focus on these two uh, yeah it's interesting you came on board this movie uh, you directed your first film The Hallow a few years ago in between then you were trying to get your version of The Crow off the ground yeah um, 
so far unsuccessfully. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. For that. <laughs> Thanks for that reminder. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, like the Doctor Doctor Evil, but there you go. Uh, it but helped. Did um, this come out of the? Did this come at a good time for you in a way? Were yeah, you yeah. It came in between the two unsuccessful attempts to make the crow. Yeah. Um, I'd, done, I'd made the hollow. I was then working on the crow for the first time around, and um, that sadly it went bankrupt. And then. Um, so I was, I was working out what to do next, and the nun script came in. And obviously I knew the, the Conjuring world, and as a, as a horror fan, I knew James's work, James Wan's work. I loved what he'd sort of brought with the, the Conjuring movies, sort of harking back to old classic horror. It was very quick, actually. It was, I, you know, once I read that script, James and Gary Doberman had written, um, it was really apparent it was a little bit more of a kind of mysterious adventure story then uh, it was almost like a slightly different sort of genre in a way instead of it being like a, a family possession or something so uh i i got it and quite rapidly went into pre-production and in production last year and so uh, as a director on something like this we were talking earlier on about producers on the james bond movies and yeah. directors have in their head as well and you got james wan i mean obviously i guess he's off doing aquaman at the same time but yeah. this is his universe yeah so how much freedom do you have as a director to plow your own furrow and come up with your own stuff to plow my furrow yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought he said to plow your inferno I thought, that's cool yeah i did try that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah no it was great it was it was actually very um you know comfortable sort of transition in a way it's the first studio movie um you know, first time I worked with Warner Brothers, New Line. New Line's obviously sort of like the, the creators of, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and mm. done a lot of horror. Um, the gang at New Line and, and James Wan's Atomic Robot, they've done all the Conjuring movies, the Annabelle movies. So it wasn't like kind of trying to make a movie with a group of people who didn't know what they were doing, you know. They, they're all very passionate about it, this universe. Um, James is, you know, a horror fan, so... Yeah. And Gary Doberman is too, so it was actually quite organic sort of you know kind of being invited into a family really mm. you know when you meet someone who who is into the same music as you you, you sort of instantly are on a, on a level together and you, you sort of there's an unspoken instinct yeah so yeah it was exciting you know we we had a great script and then we you know we didn't have a lot of time from when i got the job to getting into production so you know i had to sort of scout and cast and you know take meetings and that all at the same time and uh one of the great things about the film is you shot on location yeah and you shot in am i correct in actual actual transylvania yeah it was almost like it only gradually sort of uh I only gradually realised, sort of, what in the thick of production, that you know, I was in Transylvania making a gothic horror movie, <laughs> and it was, you know, about a group of people in the fifties travelling out to this castle in the mountains to yeah. investigate some great evil. So suddenly, the sort of child part of me was, you know, I was looking through the the monitor on the first day of filming on location in Transylvania, and we're at the foot of a castle. There's a hundred crosses <laughs> mist floating through them Damien Bashir Taysa Farmiga and Jonas Bluke he's carrying like an axe and they're making their way through and I, it sort of popped out I was like this really looks like a kind of classic gothic horror movie oh that's what we're doing you know wow yeah so it was uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> we need to change tag immediately. <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's, that, you, know, you mentioned there's a hundred crosses and there's a lot of crucifixes and crosses. Yeah, uh, is there ever a point where you think 
Too many? Too many or, too many you know, or not enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> both thoughts in my head all the time. <laughs> Just, uh, and then which way up do they go? Um, no, I mean, yeah, we made a, we made a ton. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's obviously a running theme in this of, of trying to protect yourself and um, what's been going on at this abbey. Mm-hmm. They've had to almost, like, f- um, fortify it. So whether the crosses are to stop what's coming in or keep something from getting out. Yes. I believe that you had the set blessed. Yeah. Well, not that you had it, but someone turned up and blessed it themselves. Is that right? No, no. We, well, the New Line do, do take it pretty seriously, and um, they always uh, go have this sort of little ritual performed. So we had a, a, a Romanian priest turned up in full regalia with his chaplain kit, and he performed a whole quite extensive sort of ritual outside the castle and he was burning things and he's talking in Romanian and he actually had a big bottle of holy water I sort of didn't think holy water really existed in a way <laughs> so he kind of you know he had a he had a you know what you call it like a paintbrush type thing and, yeah. and he was flinging the holy water around and I was getting quite close excited and he literally turned to me and he went and it just went got me straight in the eye so I felt super protected and um <laughs> And I went and talked to him afterwards and I said, you know, thank you for blessing our set. What, you know, what will this do, you know? And he, dead, dead serious, you know, looked me in the eye and, and spoke back in Romanian. The translator said, it will protect you from evil if you're a believer. Bloody hell. All right. And then, to, to kind of, it's a different story, but when I did the press in Mexico, we did a, you know, done a ton of interviews. We did some faith-based interviews and we had a real nun show up. Uh-huh. And she, we did questions and stuff. Now, I walked in the room, I've not really told this story, but walked in the room surrounded by the, the, the press, saw the nun, and I was, uh, the, the, the real nun, and I was across the side of the room, and for some reason, maybe because it was quite cold, my ring fell off my finger, landed on the floor, rolled across like something out of Don't Look Now, and landed at this nun's feet, and she picked it up, and like called me, and I sort of like moved over to her. She gave the ring back, and then she sort of quizzed me about the movie, and we had this discussion. And then at the end, she said, "Come here." <laughs> and, I, and she said, "Give me your finger." And she then got this ring out of her pocket, and she said, "This is a rosary ring. There's a lot of evil out in the world, and I want you to wear it to protect you." And she starts putting it on my finger. I was like, whoa, uh. And then she put it on my finger. And she said, like, you got to wear it. So I'm wearing it. So I keep getting, like, everyone trying to protect me from evil. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully it's working. <laughs> so weird that you start working in Hollywood and then everyone starts protecting you from evil. <laughs> How does that work out? Um, wow. Do you feel evil presence in the room tonight? Or are we okay? <laughs> so look, I feel, hang on, I feel a presence. Yeah. <laughs> Got loads of presence over there. Um, uh, so the, the nun in this, uh, the, can we, can we say Falak, the, the evil demon? Falak. Uh, yeah. Falak. Falak the demon. Falak, yeah. Falak There's the been demon. a lot of penises on this show so far. <laughs> There's so many. You can always have one more. It's like crucifixes. Valak. Um, Valak. <laughs> Falak, yes. Yeah. I always get that wrong. Uh, we can say that, right? Because she was introduced in the country. Into yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's out there. Okay. Uh, Although Valak isn't necessarily she. 
Oh, of course. But she of course. is a demon nun. Yeah. Yes, so the, the, the form of the demon nun is Bonnie Arons. Yeah. Now, Bonnie Arons, for people who don't know, is has been in tons of stuff. She's on uh, Corrin's uh, jumper right now. Uh, she was the scary bum at the mm. diner in Mulholland Drive. So there's a very good chance, whether it's a country in two or Mulholland Drive, that Bonnie Arons has scared the shit out of all of us yes. at some point. Uh, and then in, when I watched Mulholland Drive, I don't know about you, when you first saw it, they haven't that conversation about having a heart attack yeah. and I was watching it and, I, and the, the way Lynch does it when he's kind of creeping down oh into cutting God. the music's going like <laughs> and she just comes out yeah and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have a heart attack. It's going to happen. <laughs> and, that's, and actually, when I realised that Bonnie was a demon nun, I was, that's why I was saying, we've got we've to get her. She's capable of just with one like, look of the eye yeah. of causing that. And she's, she's, she's lovely in real life, but she, is, like, she loves being creepy. I mean, she was at the premiere the other night. Just, like, she's, she's like such a kind of eccentric presence. <laughs> but she's great and you've also got uh, Taysa Farmiga Taysa yeah. Taysa Farmiga yeah. I'm getting everything wrong tonight uh, and she's the sister of Fira Farmiga who plays yes. uh, of course uh, Elaine Warren, Elaine Warren in, in the country movies yeah. is that a coincidence or are we meant to read something into that um, I don't want to sort of shatter any illusions um, but I gotta say you know when I was casting the, the film and, and we looked at hundreds of actresses for the role of Sister Irene and got like some incredible auditions and we were initially looking for a European actress to play okay. Sister Irene um, Thaisa I, I'd almost put her audition aside because I thought it was like just felt too much of a like I hadn't done my homework and I was just like <laughs> let's just get a sister um, but uh, when I when I saw her audition it was she, she's just got such a kind of unique skill like Vera they have this almost connection to like the other world almost like the, the audition was she was performing just like a lot of auditions with just a grey curtain behind her and with nothing else and when you watched it it just felt like she was seeing this like supernatural presence right off camera and made you mm. sort of have goosebumps so she, once I saw her I was like no one else can have the role she has to have it it's, she's incredible um, and then in terms of what you asked um, I think that not uh, not in this movie but you know Mm. It's something which we contemplated. Oh, yeah, a connection between the two mm. films in some way. Okay, interesting. And uh, got you to go soon, but uh, we, we mentioned The Crow before, and uh, this, uh, this mm. may be painful territory for sure. you, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, obviously it didn't happen for you. <laughs> Look at the body language, it's amazing. But, what did you say? Um, <laughs> You protect yourself from evil. Yeah. My question. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it, it didn't happen. Is it completely dead for you? As far as you're concerned, is the crow not going to happen with you at the helm? Nothing's dead. Um, I, it's very, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I love that project so much. And um, we got really close. And at the moment, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. But we'll see. Mm. <laughs> but do you obviously stick with the project, and yeah. I know it means a lot to you. I spent like three and a half years. I've I've, I've put like a lot of yeah. a lot of heartache and heart and into it, and uh, yeah, worked you know worked into that script. Mm. It's definitely you know it's, I'm, I love that character. He's my you know along with lots of people. He's like he was sort of my superhero of the, my 17 year old age, and you know what what he is, and, and the story is like incredibly something I feel really comfortable and perfect um, 
within so mm. but it's you know it's filmmaking there's lots of elements to it but do you feel in a way in a weird way you know it's it's almost meant to be you've gone close twice you were you were you were building sets first time yeah, i believe yeah second time around how even close? closer yeah you're even closer second time around yeah. oh wow okay yeah yeah can you say what happened there or are you bound by all it's, sorts of it's, it's i think it's in the articles that came out yeah you know if you want to look at it um no i don't the time no, now very, but. Very, <laughs> <laughs> no um you know yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I, I'm always going to be, you know, there's stories that you want to tell and you, you don't sort of go, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Mm. I want, you know, it's just uh, doing it right. I wanted to only do it if it was done right. Excellent. Okay. And uh, before we let you go, I think we have a prize to give away. What? We have a prize. We have it? a spot prize. Not for me, though. Not All for right. You. No, you've oh, already nice. got one. It is the nun. <laughs> and Fantastic. she's been under my desk the entire yeah. time. Whoever, whoever wins this, do not open the box. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, weirdly, she was out of the box earlier on. Now she's back inside. I don't know what's happened. Corin, do you want to come up with a question on the fly that one person here can win this, this nun doll? Can you whisper a question that I can pretend? He just said it, though. They won't remember. They won't remember. No, I'm going to ask a different question. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's too easy. Um, okay, um, here we go. What? Okay. You got it? In, ready? Are they going to just call it out, or how does it work? So, uh, can we get the house lights up? Is that, can we do that? Is that something we can do? Look at that. And uh, I'm going to... Corin, you keep an eye on the lower... Uh, the, these lower people. And <laughs> I will keep an eye on the, on the balcony, because I feel the balcony gets neglected sometimes. All right, so... Corin, question. Devilishly hard. Shout out the answer, and we'll see who gets it first and right. Three, two, okay. one, go. In The Conjuring movies... Name the male investigator. You got it. Correct. Well done, Ed Warren. <laughs> well done. Come on up and get your prize. And keep that round of applause going, people. Absolutely. Don't have nightmares. <laughs> Enjoy. And please give it up once again for the amazing Corn Hardy, everybody. <laughs> and the nun. And the crucifix. Take my lager off the stage. Oh, yeah, take, yeah, take your drink off the stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I told them that already. <laughs> Corin just reminded me that the film is out today, by the way. <laughs> so, so I think we all know what you're doing after this, right? We're all going to see the nun in a cemetery. Or James's bedroom. Both are quite similar. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, what should I do? I should bring people out again, shouldn't I? Are you out there? James? <laughs> Helen? Yes, come on back out again. Helen O'Hara! <laughs> James Dyer! Terry White! <laughs> Karn Hardy, that was amazing.
And um, the nun is out right now. We're not going to talk about it in detail in this in this segment because Karen's right there and he knows evil nuns. Uh, it's but if you're looking for spooky nuns, jump scares, a movie that crosses Hammer Horror with Evil Dead and has Bonnie Aaron scaring the shit. Honestly, I jumped about 20 times during this movie. Uh, this is a movie for you. We gave it three stars. Three stars in for The Nun, which as we always say in the podcast, is a recommendation. So there we go. We're going to kick off the reviews section with American Animals, which is a depiction of a real heist gone wrong in 2003 for Kentucky students. What the hell is that? It's all right. It doesn't show up. doesn't show up? Yeah, ignore it. I'm, I'm growing weary. Corin left the stage, then an evil presence has infected my computer. That's weird. In 2003, four Kentucky students attempted to steal a rare and valuable book from a college library, and it all went a decided shape of pear. Uh, Bart Layton, who we talked about earlier on, has turned that into one of the most original heist movies I have ever seen, blending the real perps with the people playing them. Who's talking about this? Terry. Uh, Terry White. I am. You just did most of it. No, I explained the plot. That's that's not a review. <laughs> We've what? talked about this. What? <laughs> Red film? Friendly had one sip. It's very nice, by the way. So, American Animals. So, mm, mm. yeah, so as you say, story from 14 years ago. Four college students at university in Kentucky decided to rob their college, which always to me seems like a terrible idea. When we were young, my brother robbed his own school. Um, <laughs> and I remember my mum being dead furious and one of the things she was mainly furious about, she's like, who robs their own school? What, was he caught? Was he caught? Yes. yes. I was going to say, because if not, you've just fucking out. Out of my own brother. <laughs> yeah. And we're all accessories after the fact. We're going down. As your lawyer, that's not true. Not in a sex way. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> to this film um, sound actually quite small scale and obviously we talked about um, Bart Layton earlier and his very specific style and it's actually his his visual style his flair that really bring this story to life and make it really special because some elements from a plot perspective are certainly a little bit run of the mill it is kind of rare books in a library they kind of come up with this harebrained scheme um, and it does all go decidedly to shit but it is it's pulled off with real flair and it's kind of for me an evolution of what he began in the imposter right because the that kind of melding of um, real interviews and kind of dramatic reconstruction it's slightly flipped because it's mm -hmm. mainly dramatic reconstruction which is then intercut with these real life interviews which are actually it's really weird it's obviously 14 years later you're not quite sure um if they were caught and found guilty you figure they probably were but did they serve time in prison and right from the get-go there's a real kind of sadness to these interviews that are intercut with the film which is you know fairly harebrained at times the heist itself is just shot brilliantly and it's actually a really amazing set piece in there bits of it we were talking about this are quite hard to watch um mm, it's really really intense yeah it's yes that's right intense. i've seen one of the films this week <laughs> <laughs> fuck you all <laughs> Um, but it's so intelligently told and shot. And there are... And James and I got into a bit of a fight about this the other day because... Yeah, you didn't like a bit that was upside down. There was one... There's one... And it's not a spoiler because it's in, essentially in the opening. There is um, a shot. It's through a car window, right? And it's, it's obtusely upside down for no fucking good reason and I was like this has, to make, this has to make some narrative sense there has to be a point or maybe this is a visual signposting that we're going to return to in like 25 minutes no 
No. And so that <laughs> kind of infuriated me. And I do, I feel, and James disagrees, as I'm sure he's going to go into um, in a minute, it does stray around the edges into pretension for me, which I think is unnecessary because I think he has enough visual style and enough of a singular, singular style to actually do all that heavy lifting without needing to stretch into that thing. For me, what it's really about is the study of memory and it's the study about personal narratives, about Mm -hmm. the stories we tell ourselves to be able to live with the things we do in life and the way we construct different realities. And what he does brilliantly, without being really confusing in terms of... It's clear you're seeing different people's perspectives at different points. And that can be really confusing from a narrative perspective if you're not sure what ultimately is the truth. But he does it with such a light touch and it doesn't disrupt the main story. But it does make... I walked away afterwards and I was really... I was talking to my friend about... God, it's really interesting about the fallibility of memory, um, how we construct personal narratives. That's not what you said. What? That's not what you... You're not my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Are we friends then? Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's bond in front of people. That's... For later? Yes. Later? Um, Yeah, so that's that's really what I loved about the film. I thought it was a really clever, smart... um, as I say, investigation into um, memory, into perspective, into the stories we tell ourselves, into the kind of grey areas around uh, morality and personal responsibility. Um, so in the main, I really loved this film. I thought it was, as I say, stylistically really exciting and really interesting, but it, it stretched a little bit too far for me in places. But yeah, I think he's a really interesting, exciting British yeah. filmmaker. Yeah. Absolutely. I can confirm there is a shot that is upside down. Uh, but I really loved it. I thought, I thought the, 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 the transitions in particular were incredibly, mm. incredibly slick. It was really inspired. And the way they sort of intercut the, uh, the real-life present-day protagonist with the, old, the, the sort of prior timeline, the way they cut them together and they bled into each other and they kind of referenced each other. And when two accounts contradict each other, the narrative kind of changes in the moment. I mean, it's genius. And it's really playful, and they riff on Reservoir Dogs and Ocean's yeah. Eleven. And all of that stuff makes you feel really warm and fuzzy and like you're having a really good time. And right up until you aren't, because it kind of, that tone shifts really pronouncedly, I think, about halfway through, and all the playfulness and the references go, and it just becomes quite... Harrowing's not really the word, but it's very tense. Like, I, I felt like I'd run a marathon by the end of it. I was quite exhausted. But, yeah, I, I really loved it. I thought it was great. But the... Don't laugh. I could run a fucking marathon. <laughs> oh, I see it's bingo, isn't it? Helen, you're supposed to have said that. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, no, really, 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 really good film. Uh, enjoyed that lots. But the, the, the real-life counterparts in particular, I thought, were really, really good performances. Yeah. Like, not actors, but really nuanced, really funny. They didn't... It didn't feel scripted. It didn't feel rehearsed. Yeah. But it felt... Yeah, And was what good. was interesting is normally, I think, when you're meshing kind of fiction and interviews with real people and real people unfortunately don't behave like scripted Hollywood yeah. actors and look great and say the right thing in the, in the right way the t- there was no tonal kind of issues no. there I think that's None. what you normally get is you slip in and out of it and when you have real life people on camera that tonal um, kind of mismatch and discord can be really pronounced I didn't feel any of that and it's, it felt that the kind of production values um, the tone was so consistent as you say until there was a narrative decision mm. to markedly change that tone yeah, no, uh, what they said. Uh, it's <laughs> absolutely terrific. Uh, it is, unlike, like I said, any heist film I've seen before, the introduction of the real people is fascinating. And the first half, the first half of the movie, the first 80 minutes probably, plays like a really fun, breezy 
Oceansy style comedy, but you're watching these complete and utter doofuses in the knowledge that it's all going to go horribly wrong, but you don't know how horribly wrong it goes and what impact it has on them. But the um, the two main characters are uh, Warren and um, Spencer. And Warren's played by Evan Peters, who people will know from American Horror Story and Kick-Ass and obviously Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Spencer is Barry Keoghan, who is George in, um, the, in Dunkirk and that evil bastard in uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. And they're both incredible in this. But probably one of my favorite moments of the year uh, is the introduction of the real Warren Lipka. So Evan Peters plays Warren Lipka. And he's one of those guys, you've seen him a million times in heist movies like this. He's a loose cannon. He's a guy who doesn't play by the rules, doesn't know what he's doing. He's a bit of an idiot. It gets in way over his head. And so you expect you know where this character's going. It doesn't quite work out the way you imagine. But you see the real Warren, and he looks like Matthew McConaughey would have been if Matthew McConaughey hadn't become famous. And it ended up working in a 7-Eleven or something like that. And he, But he has this incredible shit-eating grin the second he appears on screen. And he just instantly charms you and beguiles you. And it almost leaves you waiting to be sucker-punched by what happens later. Uh, I think this is an absolutely tremendous film. And this alone puts Bart Layton at my Bond 25 front-runners <laughs> list. Uh, sign this man up immediately. Immediately. Oh, I forgot to ask Karin. Karin, would you direct Bond 25? You still here? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Karin, would you direct Bond 25? Is it an undead one? <laughs> Is it an undead one? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So Bond gets shot at the beginning, and then he's a zombie. So Karin Hardy's on board <laughs> to direct Zombie Bond. That's, uh, that is brilliant. But anyway, American Animals is fantastic, and we gave it four stars, but I'd throw a fifth on there for the hell of it, and it's one of my films of the year so far. American Animals. And next up, we have The Miseducation of Cameron Post and Hell's Bells. Yes, hello. Uh, the time is 1993. <laughs> um, and uh, Cameron Post, for it is she, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, um, is caught with her uh, best friend in the back of a car on prom night, uh, which wouldn't be a problem for many teenagers, but the best friend is also a girl, and it, it, they are both part of a very... Uh, religious, uh, conservative community, so she is whisked away to a re-education camp uh, called God's, God's Promise, and it is basically a, a conversion therapy, I'm sorry, I can't put enough quotation marks around this, um, but it is basically meant to turn them all straight. Um, so she is sent Pray to Pray away place. the gay. Pray away the, the gay, yes. It is, uh, I think what this film's greatest strength is for me is it shows just how odious that is. Like, you may feel like you have a, a handle on how grotesque that practice is, but this film really brings it to life um, and, you know, is, is, is up there with the other horror film of this week in, in that respect for me. So it's directed by Desiree Akavan. Um, it's uh, based on the, the novel of the same name as the, the, the movie. And it's basically these kids thrust into this horrific situation, which on one hand they treat like it's fairly normal and this is what they sort of expected given the backgrounds that most of them come from. Um, it's, uh, and lots of normal things happen there, which is somehow more horrific. You know, they go to class and they, you know, share rooms like they're in 
you know, summer camp or something, and they're allowed to go for walks as long as they've got enough privileges and stuff like this. And it almost makes it, you know, it does make it so much worse when they're there and basically in these therapy, therapy, again in quotation marks, sessions where they're told that everything about them is literally evil um, and they have to stamp it out for the good of their souls. So, I mean, there's a, a fantastic cast uh, in this. Sasha Lane from American Honey is uh, kind of wanted more to do for her, to be honest, but she's mm. one of Cameron's new friends. Forrest Goodluck is another one. Mm -hmm. Both is cynical, very, very cynical about the camp, and they both give her, I think, a little bit of an outlet for her. You know, she's kind of just going along with it, Cameron. She's trying to just... Yeah, she's quite introspective in a way. Yeah, she's trying she? to just, yeah. like, sit out her time and just get it over with. And I think they kind of give her an outlet to sort of realise and say, no, this is not right, this is not OK. Uh, Jennifer Early is... Uh, Ely, am I pronouncing it right? I've forgotten. Um, uh, it's Jennifer, yes. Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> she is the, she's the kind of camp, again, in quotation marks, counsellor, um, who is essentially trying to, quotation marks, cure them. And uh, she's basically Nurse Ratchet mm. from One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. She's, she's horrific in her absolute sense of certainty in who she is. It's, it's appalling. So the film doesn't quite build to a crescendo the way you think it's going to. I think its ending is quite thoughtful and quite, uh, for me, it was quite effective. Um, but I can see why it would, I mean, I think in Dan's review, he was a little bit frustrated with it, and I can mm -hmm. kind of see mm -hmm. why. But it is a really powerful, very moving, very anger-making mm. film. I was furious throughout yeah. the entire film. Yeah, basically. And I think that's the right response. And, uh, and a very, very good performance from um, Chloe Grace Moretz. She'd kind of given up on acting. She'd re resigned from a bunch of films. But it acting hadn't given up on her. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. <laughs> but yeah, this... But this script brought her back, and you can absolutely see why anybody would grab it with both hands, because uh, I think it's a, it's a really important story, and it deserves to be seen. So we gave it three stars, which is a recommendation. It is indeed. Anyone else, anything you want to say about the miseducation of Cameron Post? Uh, just that, really, really liked it. It was all the things that Helen said. Like, it's really good, it's really powerful. It, it just could have been more so. I think, for me, it's probably more a four than a three. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, really good, great performance. It's very understated. I also like John uh, Gallagher Jr., yeah. who's very, yes. very good as, uh, as the pastor. Uh, and not least of all, because he was in the, an episode of The West Wing. Mm. <laughs> He was also in the newsroom. He was also in the newsroom, yes, no, that's you. very true. In a weird way, it's, uh, it feels at times, you, know, you mentioned Cuckoo's Nest, and it does feel like an updated version of Cuckoo's Nest uh, in a weird way, although she's not as, uh, Cameron Post is not as proactive or as uh, capricious as, yeah. as Jack Nicholson in that movie. Then again, very few characters are. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting, and mm. yeah, it, it comes together nicely. Three stars then for the miseducation of Cameron Post. Not to be confused, of course, with the miseducation of Cameron Poe, which is the Conair sequel we all want to see. <laughs> or the miseducation of Poe Dameron, which is <laughs> <laughs> happening off screen during The Last Jedi. Uh, but in a weird way, that, that's, it's a horror film as well, yeah. as is the last half of American Animals and mm. all of the nuns. So it's a good week for being scared shitless, yeah. if that's your thing. And speaking of films that will scare you shitless, it is time for Final Score, uh, which is basically... <laughs> Die Hard, but in West Ham's old stadium. It is. This is true. Jimbo, as our football correspondent, yeah. I thought I'd come to you. 
Yeah, love love the football. Love the um, hammers. Yes, enjoy enjoyed this. Uh, <laughs> no, so yeah, this is Dave Bautista as an ex-soldier who goes to a football match, and that's basically the plot of the film. <laughs> um, this this film is in many ways how I imagine all football matches basically play out, um, where they kick the little ball around and lots of people try and kill each other, and you know that's basically it, isn't it? But uh, the most important thing about this, and I think this is the thing. That very few people realise is that this is canonically part of the MCU. Why? Genuinely true. I'm not even making this shit up. So, he goes to a football match as and, Ray yeah. Stevenson, who's <laughs> Russian, uh, and his terrorists take over West Ham's stadium, which has a name. What's it called? It's quite, well, it was called. I think it's now Flats. Uh, it is, uh, or will soon be Flats. Uh, good riddance to bad rubbish, quite frankly. But uh, it is the... No, I'm kidding. I love West Ham. They're great. The Up, Lee Upton Park? Upton Park. Okay. Or the Bolin Stadium. So they go to the stadium right. to watch the football. And, uh, and the Russian terrorists are not, in fact, Russian. They come... From Sokovia. Uh, Sokovia. They actually come... I'm not making this up. They actually come from Sokovia. And I had that slight gaslighting thing. I was like, so is Sokovia a real country? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and then I went on the internet. And no, it fucking isn't a real country. It's fucking made up. It's no, it is MCU, not. Yeah. Which means this is canonical. So he's actually Drax. And he's in this film <laughs> playing a human, pretending to be human. And it... Oh, it's extraordinary. Uh, the other Guardians don't turn up. Um, but so what happens is this, this is essentially... Imagine a bunch of students saw Die Hard, thought it was really good, but also like football, and they thought they'd meld the two things together and make a film. That's basically what this is, to the extent that they even lift lines of dialogue from... Di I'm not making this up. They lift lines of dialogue. There is a point where they actually quote dialogue uh, directly, uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a Hans Gruber line, which I won't repeat now because I don't want to spoil it for you, but... Uh, and there's... Like, he throws a body off a roof to get the police's attention. There are points, points where you mm. actually think, is this trying to be a remake? Uh, I mean, the main point of differentiation, of course, is that Die Hard is brilliant, and this is absolute shit. <laughs> um, I mean, as bad as you think this Sky original film about, about Dave Bautista going to a football match is, it is so, so much worse. Uh, there's, there's a guy who plays shit Argyle, who's kind of like one of the ushers, uh, and he kind of follows them around, and his niece gets kidnapped, and Ray Stevenson, who's from Russia, from Sokovia, and speaks a little bit like this. Uh, and, Which is uh, not a Sokovian accent, no, well, as I think we and that's know. the biggest problem. Uh, and then Pierce Brosnan's in it, presumably contractually, for all of about ten minutes with a thick beard. And really, that's all you need to know about this film. And Dave Bautista rides a motorbike over a roof, and, you know, stuff kind of happens. The, the, um, and West Ham play a, a, another team, another team called Dynamo FC. Now, is this, is this an actual team? No. Is that a th No, but then West Ham is not a real team either. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I, I, I'm not, I don't have any enmity towards West Ham. They're they're an insignificant gnat to be swept aside. I don't really have anything. But uh, the most unrealistic thing about this film, and I said this to Dave Batista last week, and I managed to live, uh, is that the film revolves around West Ham getting to the semi-final of the European Cup. <laughs> I, that ain't never gonna happen. Isn't yeah, it's Dynamo Kiev. There's Dynamo Kiev. There's Dynamo Bucharest, but there's not Dynamo FC. Okay. I, like wrote, um, I wrote in my notebook, I watched it today, unfortunately, and I've, I just wrote in big letters, the worst action that's ever been committed to film. Um, and there's a set... I'm not, I don't think this is a spoiler. So there's a set piece in a lift. Oh, my God. Um, which is, which is am, amongst the... I think that is the single worst action scene in any film that's ever existed. We debuted that as an exclusive clip on the website. I know, <laughs> <laughs> it's extraordinary. What I say? It's, um, it's 
absolutely gobsmackingly yeah. uh, terrible. There's an amazing bit where they try and, as a, as a kind of a thing, as a structural thing, they are cutting between um, the football match in lifetime and the, like, terrorism, attempted terrorism in lifetime. And I think they're trying to draw some kind of metaphor metaphor or some kind of I, like, I mean I'm with I, that. you're giving them terrorism the football and the sorry yeah. it was and this like the violence is I mean to say it's gratuitous is is I mean Dave Batista at one point just like punches a, a tiny woman who is quite mean but punches her so hard in the face her face almost caves in <laughs> and goes like like in Grace the Strangler if anybody watched oh. it at any point um yeah it's awful yeah, it's, it's and instead of Reginald Phil Johnson, they've got Ralph Brown on the other end of the radio. Yes, it's, they do. It's 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 extraordinary. Uh, no point does he roll a Camberwell carrot. No, no, no he doesn't. Also, I know oh, no oh, football games allowed, but there's C4 going off. There are people shooting machine guns, and none of these fuckers notice. They're just, <laughs> you know, it's oh, Jesus. Honestly, yeah. that's yeah. how the fans at the football behave. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the final score, I'd, I'd like inexplicably for this film, was two stars. Johnny Parr gave it two stars. This is a yeah. one-star film if ever one sort of <laughs> shut out, but uh, nevertheless, we yeah. gave it two, so I'd, correct. I'd like right. to petition for James to be sent to a football game <laughs> and, and told to go, whee! <laughs> I went to a football game when I was seven. I went to see Brentford play. Um, it was shit. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Uh, final fun. score two cinema three after extra time <laughs> well done cinema you go through to the next round and uh, that is it for our reviews and my computer is fucked so I can't do the slide it tells you that the next section is Q&A because my mouse yeah. my cursor just disappeared it's all fucked <laughs> Q&A time hooray <laughs> This is where you get to, to ask Helen what attracted her to the project 17 times. We have <laughs> tw 18 minutes. Uh, with the world seeming to be going to hell in a handbasket at the moment, what would you like to bring back from TV or film? And you can't say the West Wing, that's too easy. <laughs> Buffet. Yay! Yes. Buffy, Buffy, Buffy. Buffy got me through <laughs> so you, some... Uh, challenging times in my life. When I was like 17, 18, and um, I was very invested in Buffy, James and I share this, um, and we're actually doing a story about it at the moment, which has kind of resurfaced my, uh, my love for Buffy. And do you know what it is? It's, and you, there's a load of great, strong, brilliant female characters, but Buffy was, at that time in my life, was just like such a different kind of hero. And she was a hero for me. And she got to shag. I do realise that like when she shagged Angel, like obviously that's when he lost his soul because of the gypsy curse. And that obviously taught me as a 17-year-old girl that if I shagged the guy I'd really <laughs> like, then I'd curse him to like eternal damnation. Um, We've all been uh, there. But it was like, Buffy for me was like a simpler time. <laughs> Gypsy curse aside, was like a, was like a simpler time. And I, um, and it, but Buffy had lots of ups and downs. And I think the last series has a, has a lot to answer for. But that original spirit of Buffy is, and I don't feel there's anything in TV doing that for me at the moment. Mm, totally. um, yeah. I, feel I think about Buffy a lot at the moment. I think, I think mainly because we yeah. moved to Camden and that's on a fucking Hellmouth. But <laughs> probably, that is yeah. the Hellmouth. <laughs> I would say, in a, in a similar vein, because I'm not going to say the West Wing, because you said I can't, but um, in a similar answer. vein of having somewhere good to escape to, when uh, Star Trek Discovery started again, and oh. I heard the theme music, even though it's not quite the same, 
just hearing a Star Trek theme music, I was like, mm. I need this. Mm. I really need this. And I actually need not just Discovery, but I, I want more of that. Jean-Luc. But I actually need a new Next Generation yes. kind of thing. I need something that is good and quite pure and quite idealistic yeah. and unabashedly so. And just so I can just go there and go, yes, th- this is a thing, of, a part of humanity that exists and we should try and be more that. No, absolutely. The, the, the new Jean-Luc Picard series is, is my absolute happy place. And this, this is an actual true fact, is that when I was <laughs> when I was a teenager, when I was like feeling kind of like a bit depressed, whatever, my happy place was, and I'm genuinely not making this up, reading the Star Trek Enterprise D technical manual. That is an actual, <laughs> actual fact. <laughs> That is genuinely true. I had it. It was purple. It was a really thick book, and it went into great detail about the composition of Jeffrey's tubes and how far away, you know, the, this deck is from ten forward and whatnot. And I used to get really into that. I loved it. Had like schematics and everything. Oh, it's great. <laughs> but you just read a few articles, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to go for Columbo. Uh, it is the greatest television show of all time. I don't care that Peter Falk's dead, he can still do it. Mark um, Ruffalo is right there. Mark Ruffalo is right there. And the Mark Ruffalo thing a few years ago, because I think he actually was trying to get it off the ground, and Netflix make anything. <laughs> I mean, they would make this into a TV show if they could, and I, we're fucking available, I swear <laughs> to God. But why haven't they picked it up? Why, you know, Mark Ruffalo as Columbo makes perfect sense and it would be amazing. Just one more thing and feature length cases and you know who the killer is and, but Columbo outsmarts him every time but he's also a class warrior because everyone he, he puts away in prison is uh, rich. really rich and they're, you know, screwing the system and Columbo sticks it to the man and sometimes he may fabricate and falsify evidence but that's fine. <laughs> Let's look past it. It's okay. But you know why, why you can do all that? Because he's a literal angel. Is he? Yeah. Haven't you seen Wings of Desire? Oh. Okay, yeah. like, okay, all of the rest of you need to see Wings of Desire. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so that would be Falcon Great. Um, let's have another question. What has been your film of the year so far? What's been like this year? Oh, um, <laughs> What's been I, don't, I don't work on calendars or mm. dates or facts. That's the thing, like, because we work so far ahead on magazines, I genuinely, the podcast has kind of rooted me in what's coming out that week. Mm-hmm. People wake up to me and go, well, so what's, what, what have you seen recently? When do you come out? And your mind goes instantly blank and you've no idea. But doing this, I know, for example, that The Nun is out this week, uh, <laughs> as is American Anals. Uh, animals. <laughs> Sorry, that's a different website. Um, oh. um, uh, I'm, uh, you know what? I'm just going to be a parody of myself and say Avengers Infinity War. Oh, Helen. Oh, boo. Yeah. Squeak. Squeak. No. Squeak. <laughs> Jimbo? Oh, so Quiet place for me. Yeah. Good movie. Infinity War second. Cold War. Oh. Terry in with the culture. <laughs> what can I say? Closely followed by Infinity War. Closely followed by Star is Born. Oh, oh, Terry in with the I've seen a film before you have. Just saying, I've seen it twice. <laughs> twice? Yeah. Wow. Does a star get born? Anyway, don't tell me. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Spoilers. Don't spoil it. Uh, I'd probably go Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, (laughs) Followed closely by Black Panther and then Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I thought that was great. No, A Quiet Place for me. And then, uh, yeah, probably that movie about the people turning into dust. Because I'm a cliche. Uh, Let's have more questiones. 
following on from your glowing review of final score, <laughs> what event, sporting or otherwise, would you like to see Dave Batista fight terrorists at? <laughs> Question. We have him here tonight, in fact. <laughs> we do not have him here tonight because we, you would not have said what you said about that film had Dave Batista been here tonight. Uh, the World Snooker Final at the Crucible Theatre, Sheffield. And it is called In Off and, or Screw Back. Uh, and the, there is a nuclear bomb in the black ball and it is scheduled, <laughs> scheduled to go off in the final frame, okay? But here's the twist. Dave Batista is playing in the final. He's not, he's not like in the crowd so he can nip out and kill people uh, backstage. He's actually in the fucking final and he has to find a way to kill the terrorists in between chalking his cue and you know, racking up cracking breaks of 80 plus. So yeah, so that. Good, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say... Netflix. Uh, I'm going to uh, suggest the most uh, violent and dangerous sport that I'm aware of, and that is roller derby. Um, so there's some kind of mind control device, right, that basically makes all the roller girls go mental. And Dave Bautista is trying to get them back under control and save the day. He totally fails. Uh, they what? literally run him over, and it's one of those kind of dark endings where the bad guys win. What? Hey, it's a twist, right? You didn't see it coming. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, in my uh, film, the bomb goes off and... Uh, Everyone? And it becomes Threads Part 2. Um, oh, Jesus. I'm still depressed by the first one. Yes. Uh, Terry, what would you do? Bowels. <laughs> <laughs> like lawn bowls or ten pin. Oh, no, lawn. Lawn, yeah, yeah. yeah. And is there a plot to this, or is it just a nice... No. <laughs> <laughs> but the biscuits may be slightly stale at the tea break. <laughs> All to play for. Um, Jimbo. I think it would be at an international Subutio tournament. Oh! It would basically be final score, but a lot smaller. <laughs> If Dave Bautista flicked a Subudio character, yeah, it would just disintegrate. Mm. Yeah, it would be. I used to play Subudio. Uh, I once played in the Northern Irish uh, Subudio Championships. <laughs> competitive, was it? I, it was competitive. I went out in the first round. <laughs> I travelled all the way to Belfast. I had my little men. I, I shined them. You have, you have to shine them with a special spray. I think it's called Mr. Sheen. And you, you polish them. And I was so excited. And my mum and dad had driven me there. And I went out in the first fucking round because I didn't know how to play the game. <laughs> Fundamental. Mr. Sheen. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely. Great in the West That's what happened. Um, what did you say? He was great in the West Wing. I still don't know what... What? Oh, it's, ru it's ruined now, but anyway. I find that the joke gets funnier the third time I say it. <laughs> We're getting Chevy Chase Mike Reed flashbacks here. What did, you, what did you say? What did you say? I said, Mr. Sheen, he was great in the West Wing because it's Martin Sheen oh, is yeah. in the West Wing and he's Mr. Sheen. This is James Splaining for anyone who hasn't heard it. <laughs> I think we need another question. Uh, let's see, who have we not had? Oh, Helen. Uh, Helen has identified man in red shirt. 
Hi, so um, I watched uh, Jurassic Park for the first time. Like a Jurassic Park! Um, but like, I like proper cheered when the T-Rex came in at the end. Mm. And I want to know like, what moments in films that have made you like, actually like, cheer out loud, maybe in the cinema or like, watching at home. <laughs> I will say that I had to sit next to these two absolute twats during Fast Five, and they, s- <laughs> they stood up and high-fived each other on literally at least three occasions. Honestly, and actually, can't take them anywhere. James was next to one of us, but Rhiannon there and our friend Sam was in between us. <laughs> yeah, we had to reach across, reach across and do a high five. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that um, was. One. I think recently it would recently. have been recently. Let me see. Oh, it I would have been know. in American Animals when Bart Layton <laughs> makes a savage point about American society. I, uh, I stood Woo! up. I high five. Take that, the man. Uh, no, it was when Thor, Rocket, and Groot appear on Earth in, in Wakanda, and that moment is just amazing. Mm. And when Cap and his beard came out. Oh my God. <laughs> You're welcome. Sean Carter's <laughs> not in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? Terry, would you, Infinity War. Terry, you must have cheered during Star is Born when Lady Gaga made, um, <laughs> made one of her songs. I'm not much of a cheerer, I'm a crier. As you well know, I like, yeah, yep. my, my excitement, my enthusiasm, I know I don't sound it at the moment, but all of those emotions are all um, come out of my eyes, um, <laughs> not out of my hands. <laughs> So I last cried at uh, Star is Born quite a lot. Um, I cried at Infinity War. We all sat on the same row. Um, I cry at everything. <laughs> I'm crying right now, you just can't see. <laughs> uh, Jimbo, you're in a cold, emotionless husk of a man. Yeah, I, I take no joy in life. Um, uh, Did you cheer in final score when West Ham equalised in oh, the first half? Absolutely. Spoiler. Uh, no, what made you? I, I definitely there were there were a number of squee moments in Infinity War. I do remember that, and I've seen a couple of comedy films, the, the comedies this year, and I might have smiled in one of those. I can't confirm it. It may not have happened. Which one? Could have just been some kind of wind, I mean, like a baby. You know, when they smile and they say, "Oh, it's just wind." Oh, yes, the one you hated, Game Night. Oh yeah, Game that, Night. I lolled in that. That Game was that night. was that was funny. That's really really funny. Did, did actual noise come out? I of mean, your mouth? No, don't be ridiculous. But I'm definitely. <laughs> Definitely my scowl lifted at several times, really, during, during the film. High praise. Yeah. For, for 30 seconds, I stopped seeking vengeance on mankind. <laughs> just, yeah. just for 30 seconds. Yeah. All right, the big, the big ticking clock there, the terrifying ticking yeah. clock that tells us we have three minutes left. So we've got time for one question, unless it's shit, in which case we have time for two questions. <laughs> Who wants it? Helen, you choose again. Uh, this gentleman here. Yeah. This is the only He's, person who put his hand up. But so, also yeah. close to the microphone. That's so true. It's a bonus. Um, what should we be going to see at the London Film Festival? Mm. Oh, uh, I, now you've uh, forgotten what's on at the London Film Festival. Thank you. Oh. Uh, the really good stuff. Widows is there, isn't it? Widows. Yep. You should see Widows. Um, I haven't seen Stan and Ollie, but I'm really excited about mm-hmm. that. Um, that's really easy. There was the opening and closing Bill one. Bill so Street, um, yes. which we haven't seen, but super excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely Widow. Widows opening or closing. It's one, isn't it? Oh, it's it's opening. opening and Stan and Ollie are closing. closing. Yeah. Uh, Happy New Year, Colin Burstead, the new Ben Wheatley film. I'm yes. very excited about that. It's a return to his low-budget roots after his low-budget films. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm totally blanking on what else is there, but I know there's loads of stuff. I'm at- yeah. There's the Empire. Oh, yes. Well, I have... OK, because I've worked on the website for a lot of years when I was at Empire, and I wrote so many freaking stories about the production of that film. So I will absolutely... You were lost in La Mancha. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was lost in, I've seen Lost in the Manchester as well, which is also a very good film, so I'm excited to see him actually do it. I almost don't care if it's good or not, I just want to see it done. Still convinced it's not a real film. Uh, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to prank us all when we get into the cinema. All right, we do have time for one really quick question. Uh, oh, Helen, you choose, because there were two oh, hands sorry, went no. up. There were two hands went up, but that's yes. good. This guy, I saw this guy. Well, they, oh, all right, real quick, real quick, real quick. Since it is a part of the MCU, would you like to see James Gunn direct Final Score 2? <laughs> <laughs> I think Dave Bautista would. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, very, very quick, this guy here. Sorry? Favourite, Favourite MCU, MCU movie. movie. Jesus Christ, pal. You're asking oh, us, God. we have one minute to go, and you have asked us for our favourite MCU movies. That is a four-hour podcast, yeah. my friend. Uh, we will be doing that as an episode of The Ranking at some point, uh, actually, and we've got to set aside a month for that. Yeah, um, my favourite at this moment is Guardians of the Galaxy, Iron Man 3, Avengers Assemble, Avengers <laughs> Infinity War, Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Captain America Civil War, and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, my top five would be... Well, all three, all three Captain America. No, all three Captain Americas uh, and Avengers one and three. Just anything with Cap in it, essentially. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's just coincidence that they're the best. Uh, Black Panther. James, don't look at me like that. Uh, Iron Man three is my favourite, but Avengers Infinity War might be now my second favourite. Ooh. Ooh. On that bombshell. <laughs> Really incendiary note in which to end. <laughs> yeah, it's controversial, I know. That is it for our latest live podcast. Apologies to anyone uh, that we offended, which Everyone. is all of you, uh, and uh, the Burt Reynolds estate. And <laughs> Join us next week for more film-related fun when we'll be joined by Constance Wu, star of Crazy Rich Asians, and maybe, just maybe, Sir Michael Kate. Maybe on the podcast next week. Uh, maybe. Uh, as for live shows, we'll probably do another one of these in February for our 350th episode. So do keep them peeled uh, if King's Place will have us back. Uh, or we might just be on Netflix, so check that one out. For now, no, I do have to thank the people who and the companies who gave us these incredible spot prizes. Uh, Substance Organic, Premier PR, Last Exit to Nowhere, The Criterion Collection, Sony Pictures, Home Entertainment, Way to Blue, and Arrow Home Video as well. And we also want to thank Zoe, Sally, Becca from King's Place, all the incredible tech crew, floor managers, the lighting guys, the sound guys who are really sound. Uh, they've been outstanding uh, and as ever thanks to you guys we couldn't do it without you well we could but it'd be really dull because it would be just us four in an empty room and who wants to listen to that every single week <laughs> uh, anyway until next time it is goodbye from Terry White goodbye did you say goodbye it was lost in the applause goodbye <laughs> it is goodbye from uh, James Dyer who was here which was nice I guess <laughs> goodbye it's goodbye from Helen O'Hara hello and it's goodbye from me I'm off to settle the battle of the Chris's once and for all <laughs> if you know what I mean thanks for listening see you next week bye bye Thank you.